lyrically, yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap, it's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead. Back to take over the flow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Miami Nice. I am one of the partners undercover, deep undercover today, talking to you. I'm Mr. Blake Howard, and my partner in crime is always beside me, never doubting me despite how many lunatic uh, projects I rope her into is Katie Walsh. Katie, thank you so much. Always, always by your side, ride or die. Ride or die. Uh, Today is an extremely special episode of Miami Nice because the... Well, let's. I have to tell a story to tell you how important it is to me that this person is on the show. So when I was at university, um, I had some great film professors at the time who kind of unlocked in me uh, a, a deep passion um, and an obsession that started with a filmmaker by the name of Michael Mann. And my supervisor at the time, Dr. Hamish Ford, a lecturer at the University of Newcastle in film, media and cultural studies, strongly encouraged me to do my honours thesis about authorship and masculinity And one of the first pieces of writing that he gave me, I guess as for him was a bit of an endorsement that Michael Mann was a figure that was worthy of this kind of scrutiny at an academic and kind of obsessive cinephilic level was an outstanding piece of writing called Gravity of the Flux, Michael Mann's Miami Vice. Now, I'd already read it because it was one of the rare pieces of film criticism that had genuinely embraced Miami Vice at the time. I think, you know, really there's the Manola Darguses of the world and then there's kind of this piece. uh, And as you guys would know, Manola has graced us with her presence a few times on the one eight minute productions feed, but this man is someone I've admired for his unfathomable film mind um, uh, for so many years. It is the wonderful filmmaker, lauded journalist, author, and now upcoming author of what is translated into English as Michael Mann, Mirages of the Contemporary, Jean-Baptiste Theray. Welcome to Miami. Nice. Hello, Blake, and hello, Katie. I'm I'm very proud uh, to to be part of your show. Sincerely, I'm very proud of that. Well, look, we just... And and it's an, the honor is all ours, but I we just had to stop having our conversation very briefly <laughs> um, about this piece. So let's go back to 2007. Let's go back, especially we love hearing now, especially international reception of the film. But Gravity of the Flux, you wrote that as a response to Miami Vice, and the and I guess the overwhelming critical reception that was happening in France, where people would had written it off, and you were one of the first people who took this as, no, this is a serious attempt at something different. So I'd love to talk to you about what that, what that impulse was for you to like attack this film in, in, in your writing. Um, maybe my, my answer will be a little longer, but I, I will try to make shorter as I can, but no, um, pl- please make it as long as possible for the show. And sorry again, sorry for my accent. Anyway, um, we love it. We have, love it. <laughs> you, you have to know that, um, in France, uh, contrary to the American movie critics, um, France was quite late, uh, with Michael Mann. I mean, uh, for example, when it was released in 1995 in France, 
most of the critics, not all of them, but most of the movie critics said it was a uh, sympathetic, but a little, a little bit too, um, too clip, you know, uh, too, too, too much superficial. And they, they said that it uh, was just a kind of huge vehicle for Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, but it was just a decorative film and um, and behind this movie it was not a real author as yes. we um, understand that in france that means in france we, if you're not an author you're nothing you know yeah. uh, it's because <laughs> of the, it's because of the politic des auteurs as you know yes. it's a very uh, important and it's quite still today very influential as the way we are writing and speaking about movies are you yes. an author or not and but i think the good question is are you a good author because yes. everybody is an author. As, uh, as soon as you're putting your eye behind the camera, you're, you're even against yourself, you're an author. But yes. the real good question is, are you a good author? <laughs> anyway, uh, in 1995, so it was released and um, uh, the French movie critic didn't like very much the movie. For them, it was not very significant, you know, yes. uh, significant, I mean. Yes. Uh, and um, in 1999, when the insider uh, was released in France, uh, some people uh, started to say, oh, maybe there is someone behind the uh, um, uh, heat, behind the last of the Mohicans, and uh, uh, of course, Manhunter and uh, Thief and, and so on. Uh, but when Miami Vice uh, was released in 2006, the work and the, of the movie critics on Michael Mann was still not um, complete, in fact. A lot of people didn't took didn't take seriously Michael Mann as an author yes. and uh, at that time for me I was running uh, um, I, I was uh, editor-in-chief of a movie uh, movie magazine called Simulacre and then Panic and we uh, we made three covers on Michael Mann Yes. And the first one on it, the, the first was on it, and the second was, was, was on Miami Vice. For me, it was very important because um, I think that um, uh, Miami Vice was for me instantly when I saw the movie. I, I stayed two, uh, for two uh, screenings in the theater um, uh, room. <laughs> but uh, it was instantly, I mean, I, I even um, uh, um, think about the movie uh, during the projection, but my intuition, my feelings said to me, that's an important movie. And I think even today, that's one of the most important movie of the, of the 2000s decade, yes. you know? And uh, not only because in a, from an aesthetic uh, point of view, it's a brilliant movie, very inventive, very experimental, but also also on a political level. And yes. uh, and I have the impression that if I had to show um, to a, a movie to my children in 10 or 15 years to explain to them how was was the 2000s, this decade, how was the world, I, sh I will show to them Miami Vice. You know, yes. not a political movie, not a documentary, no, not all this, this uh, kind of movie who think, you know, very louder. No, but Miami Vice maybe is the most um, 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 uh, adequate movie to, to, to its time. So uh, the, the other reason for me was uh, that I, I think that the movie critics has to be a little bit militant. You know, you have to be an activist of movie. If you, yes. are taking, if you are taking your pen or your micro uh, or your, um, anyway, to, to say that uh, Antonioni, Fellini or John Ford is a, an important director, okay, but everybody knows already that. Yes. You have to be on time and on time, uh, so we have to, to fight for the newcomers 
you know. Yes. Uh, and uh, Michael Mann, for me, it was my uh, my my uh, little crusade, you know. And we have, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. and uh, my little crusade was to impose to uh, the university because I was teaching at the university to the movie critics world for to the radio. Hey, Michael Mann is probably the most important American direct director of the last 25 years. There is no there is no doubt about that. Yes. Uh, I can prove I, I can prove you that, that <laughs> I, I, I am right. So I decided to write this article and the, the first feeling I had about Miami Vice is how it was a uh, uh, 100% Michael Mann movie and at the same time it was almost the contrary of it. Yes, you know, yeah. and uh, that was was very interesting to me to see that after hit, Michael Mann could have made uh, uh, dozens of hits. You yes. know, uh, okay, I have the formula to two guys uh, chasing uh, themselves. You know, the urban landscape, the blue. Uh, uh, we we know all the the items of Michael Mann, uh, but just after that, after it, decided to um, uh, explore another. Pass and another way, and the insider in terms of filmmaking is very different from it and Tr all the precedent former movies. You know, yeah, yeah, Dra drastic. He go he goes from he goes from stark uh, Western action to basically travels back in time and grabs De Palma and Antonioni and uh, and Alan Pakula and just takes all the ingredients of paranoia cinema and just rushes back to the contemporary. It's a it's a crazy uh, formal jump. Crazy. But it's a, it's a very risky gesture. I, I mean, for Michael Mann at the end of the '90s, because mm. with it, it was quite comfortable. You know, you will find a formula, a genre, a popular genre, the criminal movie, the thriller. Yeah. Anyway, but you can see that with it. Michael Mann, it's uh, as, he, uh, as if he had reached the point, you know, um, he had been aiming uh, for 20 years since Sif in 1980. Yes. And uh, his uh, hit is a kind of conclusion of the, of the Michael Mann first maniera, yeah. you know. And uh, from the insider, I think it's um, a kind of second period is opening in the Michael Mann career. Yeah. And Miami Vice is uh, is uh, the contrary of it because uh, in terms of filmmaking we don't have uh, you know very uh, straight straightforward kind of frame you know mm. uh, we have the the, sense, the 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 feeling that the, the all the characters are running out of time uh, it's a breathless movie and then uh, in a, from a narrative point of view uh, between the beginning and the end we didn't. Um, progress so much. In yes. Fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. incredible. You know, uh, contrary to it, you have a real development in a classical sense of way. You know, yeah. uh, at the end, we have a kind of resolution of the relation between the, the two guys, of the relation between the guys and their landscapes, their environment with their wives. At the end of Miami Vice, you don't have any resolutions, no. you know, uh, and that's for me a, a perfect way of showing the, the, the contemporary world, you know, the, the yeah. capitalistic world. You are, we are all, all of us are going very, very fast. We don't know why we are going so fast <laughs> to do what uh, we don't. And I mean, you don't take time to to um, to think one or two, uh, for one or two minutes about 
our condition about the the reason we are making some, some something or not you know is just have you have to run and mm. that's the, the the very specific tempo of miami vice you know you you have to run you have to run because if you are going up or you're going down it's impossible in miami vice to stay on the surface yes. and i like very much this image because that's the, for me the, the the perfect drama you know of the contemporary world you know it's impossible you have to be on the surface and go as, as fast as possible but at the end the existential reason or motif of this um, this speed uh, is is missing you know yes i don't know if i am clear but what no, I'm trying you, to say. You're, you're very clear i i guess um uh, uh one thing i want to get into is that exactly that of in the movie, it's so funny. We've been talking about how some of these lines, if you were just to read the script in a vacuum, how they seem a bit trite or if you, if you just take them out of their context, they don't work. But for example, that exact moment, that speed that really is like the life of all of these characters, they have to say it in the movie, you know, oh, how fast is that how fast does that boat go? And he's like, it goes right, very, exactly. It, I was it, thinking that too. It goes very fast. And like, I yeah. feel like listening to you now, I'm like, man, that's what it is. It's this unrelenting, it's this unrelenting pull that you are just that, that. And, and I love that you, you've taken that from the micro of this movie to the macro context of, you know, mm. 21st century capitalistic life, because that is, you know, I don't know about you, but the last two years, I feel like even though we've been standing still in this pandemic for a lot of it, it feels like it's just running as fast as ever, Katie. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I love the idea of the surfaces and it, you're either going fast enough to skate along the surface or you're sinking down and drowning. And there's yes. this, um, the you, you touch on it in your, in your amazing piece, which I, um, Blake had introduced me to and, and it, really unlocked so many things about the movie for me where I'm reading it going, oh my God, yes, that's such a brilliant insight. <laughs> um, but this, the idea of the surfaces and speed and viscosity and also the additional layer of meaning of surfaces of we have to be presenting one image to one person and one image to another person. Like, who are you really if you don't know who you are, if you're constantly mm. shape-shifting? according to Aye. your job but also to survive you know mm. so all of that is is so interesting and and that level of speed and surface and how can you just keep skating along and yeah it's like if you stop even in our contemporary world now it's like you can't stop you're yes. screwed you're thinking you're thinking yes but you're yes right. exactly in fact i think that in miami vice you have two very interesting aspects that um, uh, we that uh, which we will, will uh, haunt the the Michael Mann world. The the, the first one is the, the question of um, um, what Div John Dillinger called in uh, Public Enemies, you know, yeah. a space uh, located uh, off the map. That's the exact yeah. expression of John Dillinger, yes. and I think that uh, the off the map is a, a kind of obsession of all Michael Mann movies and uh, and especially since it in 1995. Remember this very emblematic image when Robert Donio is going to the glass, you know, in front of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. And even all the books written on Michael Mann takes this, this image to uh, to embody the Michael Mann works more. 
but it's a very important image because that means that uh, all the characters of Michael Mann, from Robert De Niro in It to Colin Farrell in Miami Vice, and also Jose Yero, Jose Yero, um, John Ortiz in Miami Vice, that's the first time that a secondary character in the Miami Vice movies has uh, this kind of oceanic view. You yes. know, and that's very important. Interesting. I, I will, uh, I will say some place, maybe something about that later. Because very important. I, I'm making I'm making a note because anything more about <laughs> anything more about John Ortiz is Jose. We love Euro. John Ortiz. We just we, 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 we can't I'm get a big enough fan of, of him. Oh, he's so wonderful. Oh, we and, love him. And 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 a ut a utility. He can just do anything in Michael Mann movies. After this, he's oh, yeah. he's oh, wonderful yeah. in that for a very short moment in Public Enemies with. John Dillinger, um, yeah. as a character who educates John Dillinger about um, how he's expired, oh, yeah. how he yeah. how he yeah. he doesn't work anymore. You're you're living oh, yeah. in a new time that you don't understand. It's very um, uh, oh, yeah. it's hard for John Dillinger to hear, but he's great, and then he's great in Black Hat too. So. But, but- um, to go back to what, what I wanted to yes. say about the space, yes. because it's very interesting yeah. to see that um, um, from it, uh, Michael Mann find a way. If, in fact, he finds uh, his emblematic image: mm. a guy looking at the ocean, yeah. and uh, he's abstracting from the, the the world around him, from the discussions. It's what what happened in Miami Vice mm. uh, at the beginning of, of the movie, and he's looking for so, what what is the, this character is looking for? What he's looking at? That's the real question. I think that all the Michael Mann movies will uh, ask to the character, even to the to the spectators, in fact. And I think it's it's uh, it's is um is looking for a space out of the. Which could exist uh, out of the con- uh, the capitalistic world, uh, our contemporary world, mm. is there a yeah. place of the map? That means is there, is there a place uh, uh, still? Um, we, we we could compare it to the kind of wilderness, you know, yes. uh, a kind of a, a place which is not controlled by uh, economic power, by a political power, you know, by a kind of totalitarianism, you know, uh, um, uh, strength. And that's very important for Michael Mann to to see if it's, it's possible to go out of this world because this world is a prison. When you see black hats, you mm. have the impression. That the only way to uh, to find liberty and free space is to disappear from this world. That's the end of the insider when Al Pacino is going through this revolving door. I don't know if you remember this this incredible um, incredible frame. incredible slow motion shot in in the, in, in the revolving door that slows. It's the only time in the movie that really time is manipulated for us, and he just steps. Into yeah, the flux. But it, it's it's a terrible shot. But because what Michael Mann said that the guy finally understood how was the world around him. He was mm. an anachronic guy uh, until he met the the lawyer, you know, play uh, uh, by, by Gina Gershon, you know. Yes. And um, Pacino said, "What is it? Is, is it Alice in Wonderland?" And finally, he he, he thought he was a very uh, a very tough guy uh, uh, with all the codes and and the you know and and the skill. And in the middle of the movie, someone said to him, "Finally, you're an anachronic guy." 
you were yes. you, you were living in the past, but you 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 thought you were living in the present. And yes. this uh, ex, the, this kind of experience to be a, to be a anachronic in the middle of your life is a typical man kind of experience. <laughs> what you said about John Dillinger, you yeah. you think you are on time, and suddenly someone is explaining to you that finally you're totally outdated. Yes, you know, and uh, that's the way. The for for me that's a one of the strengths of the Michael Mann's movies. It's the way he's teaching you to, to see the world as he is and not uh, as you think he is, you know? You're, yeah. We are, naturally, we are late. We don't know how, <laughs> how, how, how the world works, you know? Yes. You, 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 we think you know, we know the world, but in fact, we don't know the new rules. You, yeah. We are just very on time in the past. And in the middle of all the movies of Michael Mann, you have this kind of revelation, you know? Uh, the, the French title of The Insider was Revelation, you know? Mm. Oh. Uh, for once, it's a good translation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, one of the, sorry to interrupt, but one of the, yeah. the things in your article that I could not believe I had not thought of in this film, and you know, we talk a lot about these island utopias that the Michael Mann characters are searching for and trying to achieve. Um, but the fact that Havana is is in Cuba, which is a communist country, and that it is the respite from capitalism for Sunny and the the grind, the time churning on is like, I was like, of course. And so the quote, I, I picked out one of the quotes from your article, I'll just read really quickly. Havana, haven of peace is outside the flux and it's exhausting topicality. And so, I, and like, it's like Havana is also a, a place that's out of time as well, because it's like, they haven't, they ha it's all fifties cars and they haven't, you know, everything sort of, you know, it's not new technology there. And so I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I never thought of this, but it's such a brilliant observation. Uh, um, but you're, you're right, but Havana is a kind of utopia, but we, 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 uh, we have to be precise about the, the term of uh, the utopia, because um, yeah. ut ut utopia is a place that doesn't exist. Yes. Uh, um, and, right, uh, right. Um, Michel Foucault, the, 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 the very famous French philosopher, uh, said mm -hmm. that you have two types two type of uh, utopia. The utopia, the place that doesn't exist, and the heterotopia, that's a place uh, which is located somewhere you and me can find uh, uh, our own heterotopia. And for them, for Coin Farrell and Gongli, uh, Havana is playing this kind of role. It's a located utopia. So it's a heterotopia, yeah. you know? Yeah, they yeah. can go to Havana and find that. And you're right, because uh, this, this idea that Havana um, is, a, is, a, is a communist kind of regime, you know, with all the cars of the 50s and, and, uh, and the 60s. I've been there two years ago and uh, I had the impression to, to be in this uh, Miami it was quite disturbing uh, but it's very interesting because you, it's the, the the marxist found of all michael mann movies yes. because michael mann is a is an american he's a liberal but he's a marxist too and yes. you know it's, it's this kind of contradiction uh you, you can find it in all these movies when you see a um, thief or even collateral is a real marxist movie Huh? Yeah. about the force of production, about Tom Cruise as a, as a vessel capitalistic, you know, character. It's a, a pathological character. Naked capitalism. Naked capitalism. Naked capitalism. 
raw naked nerve. You're right, but naked capitalism, but uh, even uh, more dangerous because at the end, uh, Tom Cruise is like uh, Schwarzenegger in Terminator uh, yes. when he's jumping on the on the subway. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a Cameron frame. At, yeah. at totally. Moment, you know, and uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, the capitalism is embodied. You know, yeah. is <laughs> Terminator. It's a pathological way of uh, what happened to capitalism when you're pushing all the rules of the capitalism to the end, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, no, I would like just to, to go back to Havana about this question of Marxist that's very important in Michael Mann's vision of the world. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you understand how uh, economically uh, people and uh, the relation in the world are functioning, you understand all the world. And yeah. all, in all the Michael Mann movie, you have to go back to the economics. Yes. That's the, the reality of the world. After that, you can you can have psychology, desires, all, all, you, all you want. <laughs> yes, exactly, but exactly. First is how it works in an economically in economical yeah. you know point of view. That's the reality of the world. That's the reason is very very uh, very strong and very uh, very uh, very uh, intelligent is in his way to depict you know to show how the world is functioning, but. Um, Havana, uh, is, uh, you have this very uh, interesting uh, line of Gongli uh, in the sequence just after that, uh, when they are making, uh, having a walk, you know, yes. uh, and um, Gongli said, but what do you see around you? What do you see is a typical line of Michael Mann, you know, yeah. what do you see around you? That means you, you see, but you don't understand what you see. You know, yes. just try, try to open your eyes and to, uh, and what do you see? You see that uh, Montoya is the real owner of everything you see. So there is no off-the-map place. It's a delusion. It's a mirage, you know. Yeah. At the end, you think it's a very cool and, uh, and quiet place. Um, but uh, for economically, who owns this place? Yes. It's the guys you're, 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 you're fighting. And the last thing is about the Havana. Uh, it's a question of the 70s because for me michael mann is a, is a director of the 70s who started to make his first movie in 1980. Yes. i mean it's a nightmare if you're thinking about that <laughs> just for one second you know yeah. uh, just after the golden age of the 70s uh it, it 1980 it was the end of this golden age uh, michael chimino evans gate william friedkin sorcerer and so on and so on and michael mann is making his first movie so you have this incredible and but for me very productive paradox that this guy made his first movie the first day of the end of the 70s <laughs> you know but uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but he still uh, um, he still remain a guy obsessed by question uh, from the 70s for me it's, it's a real authentic 70s director making movies during the 80s the 90s yeah. and today you know yeah. and for it's him true, the power and for him, the paradise is always, as always, the flavor of the 70s. Remember uh, uh, Colin Farrell talking about this childhood in Miami Vice in Havana. The first time he's talking about himself a little bit, about his past. And, uh, and he said, it, uh, we, we understand uh, with his smile and, uh, and the decontraction de of the, the moment that uh, for, me, for him, it's, it's a kind of golden age. It's very important. And uh, he's talking about what? He's talking about Alman Brothers. Yeah. He's talking about <laughs> Lina Skinnard and Free Bell, <laughs> uh, the best 
rock song, according to me, of the 70s. And you can tell that he loves those those rock bands because of his mustache, yeah, yeah, his yeah, handlebar yeah. mustache. Yeah, 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 yeah. Between Linus Kennard and the Woodpecker, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think you talk about such a fascinating connection, though, between Heat and Miami Vice, because in Heat, it, it, in that true Foucault way that you point out, that utopia is 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 a mirage. It is it is a yeah. true mirage, and I think that that in Miami Vice, it's the movie that comes closest to Isabella as a as a, as an individual embodying the 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 achievable, the attainable mirage. And then he lets her go. And so it's like the thing that you've been staring at and staring for and looking right into and this escape that has been there this whole time, you know, as far as like a thematic shift, it's like completely flipping it on its head. It's like, what if I brought you so close, like, like, like standing on the tip of a volcano into like this thing that you've been wanting for your entire life. Yeah. And then I make you let it go. Like, I think that that is, that is a, that is a beautiful and poetic tragedy that I continue to find myself obsessed with in this movie. I'm just like, it takes you to the edge. It talks about how our vision of the world is completely corrupted by our presumptions. It talks about how we've kind of hit this capitalistic zenith where like cops are infiltrated, crooks are controlling what, basically everything we see. And yet his moral code makes him go right to that edge and then let her go. It's just, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful uh, end sequence of the Mike, of Michael Mann movies at the end of uh, Miami Vice. It's yes. incredible. Um, but uh, maybe the, the, what, what you, you say is a kind of opposition between the classical period of the American cinema yes. um, in which it uh, is still, uh, you know, um, uh, placed, you know, located, and Miami Vice. I mean, in, um, in the classical way, I think is that the idea that as a character, as a human, a woman or a, a, a man, um, uh, you have um, you, you, you can have the, an influence on your, dis, on your destiny, on yes. your own feelings, uh, and so on. And at the end, on the world, that's the perfect, you know, relation between the character and the world. John Wayne in John Ford movies was perfect for that. At the end, you win the woman, you win the cattle, you win the world. And, <laughs> uh, winning some, something means winning everything, you know. Yes. Uh, in, uh, in, um, in Miami Vice, what is very interesting that uh, the, the question of the humanity, what can the human people do in such a world? They can do nothing. You know, they don't have any kind of influence. They are just following the, the, the general tempo and the, this frenetic rhythm. You know, for them, it's impossible to, to took their own destiny and their own love, for example, in their own hands. It's impossible. Yeah. And the end of Miami Vice for that is, is it's terrible. But because in the career of Michael Mann, uh, the human character in this capitalistic world became a problem for him. Mm. That's a real, one of the real subjects of all his movies since it in 1995 is what kind of uh, space as a human in this kind of world. Yes. And when you, you are going from Miami Vice to um, Black Hat, you can say that the place of the human is, is very is, is going smaller and smaller, you know, yes. and uh, at the end, the world is functioning um, uh, by himself. Uh, 
I think about this shot of the market, you know, yeah, in Black yeah, Hat. Yeah. Maybe it's a quotation of the market in L'Eclissé by Michelangelo Antonioni in 1963. Yes. I don't know. I think Antonioni blood is, is a I is see a lot Michael of Mann. I, I see a lot of Antonioni in Michael Mann too. Yeah. But you can understand that because Antonioni in the 60s was very uh, interesting in the modernity, you know, in the, in the transformation of the world uh, because of the technology, the new kind of new relation this technology would provoke between man and woman and so on. And, uh, but at this, he was exactly as Michael Mann will be, uh, uh, frightened and, uh, and very seduced by yes. this new world. Yes. And that's for me the the the, uh, the the very price of the Michael Mann movie was he, when he's producing his critics of, of the contemporary world. If you know, he's uh, taking at the same time the horror of the world, this uh, this, uh, this the terrible aspect of the world, but at the same time he he, he, he don't forget that the, this world is very seducing for a lot of people or consumers. You know, yes. that's the reason the publicity as a look is very important in Michael Mann. You have to be seduced by an image, and after that, you have to go down into this image and to see what is hiding. And what is hiding is, is often terrible, but you have the two <laughs> feelings at the same time, you know? Yeah, Com completely, completely uh, hypnotized. And then, mm -hmm. why do I feel so bad? <laughs> is, yeah. I think well, is... when, you, when you see Miami Vice, you, you want to go in the go fast. You want to drive a Ferrari. Yes. You want to be on this, the, the, on the, uh, this uh, Miami highways. Everybody wants to do that. You want, you want to be in the first, uh, you know, white limousine with all these uh, wonderful ladies going out. <laughs> but uh, um, some minutes later, what you see is that the wonderful lady is just a product. What's, what's wrong with yeah. number three? Yes. You know? Yeah. And uh, th th this Miami Vice show in a very, very uh, a few scenes that the, the talent of Michael Mann to say a lot of things with some details, you know, yes. he's not making a discourse, he's not making a, uh, you know, a, a, a statement very loud, loudly on what is known. Just the moment where Neptune is, uh, is looking at uh, the number three, you know, well, we don't even know his, 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 uh, her name. He's not you know, a human anymore. Number three. Yes, it's, a, it's just a product. And the violence of this look and the way he's punching um, uh, her at one moment, just after, uh, just after this sequence, uh, say everything. The same thing when we see uh, Montoya driving in his wonderful limousine, like in Cosmopolis by Don Delillo and David Cronenberg, <laughs> yeah, you know, yes. like an autistic uh a bubble you know in this world but this world is uh, is full of trashes of yes. this capitalistic world of the, the the plastic and the the trashes of the of, of the world and that's very interesting because michael mann is showing at the same time the publicity you know aspect of the things we we would like to be there too with them you know dancing and in his in, in this club and we we would like to drive these wonderful cars but at the same time when we show what underneath the surface of the, the of our world that's terrible yeah that that terrible realization when montoya pulls up in the car Oh. that none of their phones work still chilling because the streets are lined with all of that uh, you know uh all that foam littered from all of the boxes and and he's just like yeah i've seen this technology before in iraq yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's just like right, the whole course. world right. is a war zone the whole world's on yeah. fire 
but I, I think that Michael Mann, you know, is very reluctant to uh, to Michael Mann to talk about his own cinephilia, or his own cinephilia. You know, yes. uh, we all know stories about him telling the to a journalist and movie critic, you didn't understand nothing about my movie. I'm, talking, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm working from the, the real, the material, your, your yes. life material. I, I won't want to make movies about movies and so on. But if you see uh, clearly his movie, you can see uh, he, uh, he has seen a lot of movies. And, oh, he, uh, and he, he's, he's a... I, I'm going to show you something. Not only is he a cinephile, um, I can't wait yeah. to see. I can't. Firstly, I can't wait to see your book. <laughs> but but not only is he a cinephile, but he's he's an he's a world traveling cinephile because you know you, you don't get he champions people yeah, like Guillermo yeah. del Toro and Quaron and and. Um, uh, I'm going to show you something. Do you see these these four yes, images? Yes. Yes. You know, and uh, it's a bullet uh, at the top of the page, and it's it um, at the bottom of the page. Yes. And I, I sent to Michael Mann the book, and Michael Mann said to me, uh, I was quite um, afraid of his reaction because I, I mixed some image uh, of his movies, of course, but also from other movies like Franken, John Frankenheimer's Seconds. Yes. For me, the, one of the first sequences of The Insider was a kind of lecture of the opening sequence of seconds yes. uh, and bullet and so on. And when he saw the comparison between bullet and it, he told me, um, okay, you are absolutely right. It's, that's exactly what I had in mind. It was bullet Peter Yates. Yes. Because I wrote, I wrote a chapter in my book, uh, if uh, Steve McQueen uh, uh, didn't die, he would have uh, played in a Michael Mann movie. Of course. <laughs> and and I'm sure the, that. The, the, only, the only question, a lot of people ask me, um, a lot of people ask me like with Heat, they're like, oh, would you recast it? Would it ever be remade? And I go, the only conversations I want to have are who would play it if it was made in 1985, then who would play it if it was 1975? And I go, if you go to 1975, it's Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. Like that's mm -hmm, who you have to mm -hmm. have. No, I don't yeah. care who plays who. I think probably Newman is the only one brave enough to play Macaulay. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. To die, I think McQueen would have no part in dying at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, but I feel like I feel like that's that's the only conversation I want to have. I don't want to hear about remakes, but I do like thinking about oh, what about what if we made it in '65 in Paris? No. You know, and you know, no, you know, I like thinking about those 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 games. Um, no, no, you're right, you're right. I, I, but yeah, seconds. That's one I haven't seen in such. I haven't seen that since university, Jean Baptiste. So I, I've got to get. I, uh, I don't uh, love Frank and again. I watched um, his recent, uh, they did a very great Blu-ray release recently of Black Sunday. Oh, wait, uh, Black Sunday, of course. Mm. And um, with Bruce Dern and Mark Keller. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and I was watching it and I was like, uh, speaking of filmmakers, I was like, if Spielberg didn't watch Black Sunday a hundred times before making Munich, I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it, they yeah. just feel like yeah. sisters, yeah, right. you know, they are just, the yeah. DNA is so, so there. Um, but, but you can say that the relation between Mann and Frankenheimer is, um, uh, is quite obvious. Mm. Uh, I mean, because Frankenheimer was during the 60s, maybe the great American director of the alienation, yes. you know. Mm. Uh, as Antonioni was a kind of uh, Italian director of the, of the Euro European alienation during the same 60s. And Michael Mann is one of the great directors of the alienation of the 90s and the 2000s, because mm -hmm. that uh, kind of alienation to our, our world, you know, and uh, it's quite normal that Frankenheimer and Michael Mann uh, converse 
together, you know. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what we wanted to talk about too in this conversation, which is when did the worm turn for Michael Mann? When did when did the popular consciousness shift? Because as you said, for me, right there in 2006, I ended up writing a, some academic writing on man, you know, sort of 2008 era. And, and it feels like ever since then, the conversation has just, it, it has become almost ubiquitous. It's like that, that anniversary uh, culture that we're in now, I think is, this is one reason why I, I'm never against anniversary pieces. I actually love them because really well thought out, beautiful retrospectives on movies that have actually resonated over time. Uh, it's just a great way to like engage with themes or engage with a genre again. But when did you, Jean-Baptiste, start to see this shift? And I would love to hear from a French perspective, like where did you start to see a shift in France? Right. Uh, um, as I say at the beginning, um, in uh, 1995, 1995, it was not... Uh, a very important movie for the movie critics. When you, you when you read Les Cahiers du Cinéma from that time, it's incredible, but it's just a few lines, you know, at the end of the magazine saying, ah, there is this movie, it, it's a little <laughs> bit decorative, not very interesting. Huh? And you, at the same time, you had three, four, five pages of very awful movies view from today you know? yes. that's the history of movie critics they didn't stand the test uh, of time <laughs> no, absolutely but uh, you have the right to be wrong it's not the problem but the best is when you recognize your own errors you know mm -hmm. and um, I think the shift is um, is uh, quite easy to uh, to to uh, to, um, to, pe to perceive in, in France at the beginning of, of 2000s uh, when collateral Mm. Uh, was released in 2004 in France. Uh, the French Cinematheque made a kind of retrospective of uh, the Michael Mann movies, you know. And uh, in France, when the Cinematheque is making the retrospective, it's a sign that something is happening, you know, yes. uh, in, in, for, for the Academy. You know, yes. like, uh, you, you have the avant-gardiste, you know, and you have the Academy. And the Academy is always 10 years late you know, to the reality, uh, it's, it's seems, a real... Se seems to be a universal thing for academies around the world. Absolutely. The Australian academies, <laughs> the American academies. <laughs> they're always about 10 years late. And when, yeah. they, and when they miraculously arrive on time, you're like, wow, look at you. You're on time. <laughs> yeah, you know that the difference between the movie critics, I, I mean the, the real one, and the, the, the university. Uh, the, the, a guy, a movie critic, and the, the, a teacher... Uh, a PhD, uh, a teacher from the university, are going to a field. They are, they are just a, a, a kind of huge field uh, in front of them. The movie critics is pointing the field and say, there is petrol here, 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 you know? Yeah. And uh, the guy from the university is waiting 10 years and he's uh, digging and at the end, he's, ah, you're right, there is petrol. <laughs> so uh, true, that's, so this true. This is why I, I sit here every, I sit here sometimes more than once a week, Jean-Baptiste, and I look at my amazing co-host and I, 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 I read her work and I see the toil that she goes through being this working moving critic and have, having to have insights in a hurry and then we get to do this show where we talk about all sorts of films because we, you know, through Miami Vice, you talk about the work of Michael Mann, you talk about the action genre, you talk about these deeply philosophical films, other great filmmakers like you've already mentioned, the Frankenheimers of the world, etc., and people who've been influenced by Mann. And I just always admire, I say, man, I, I don't envy you 
having to be that but, person that finds the, <laughs> finds yeah. the oil. <laughs> but, so, you, you know, that I, 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 I wanted to say that with Collateral in 2004, something um, um, began to, to change in the, uh, the, the, um, the, the movie critics and the academy about Michael Mann. But the irony is that the Collateral was not a Michael Mann script. No. It was at the, at the, and it happened very often that um, we do, you decide to recognize some, someone with maybe, well, I, I don't think so, but uh, with uh, the most impersonal movie, which is Collateral in 2004. Yeah. Yes. No? And, and, and then Miami Vice uh, was released and uh, it, uh, again, a lot of people who were ready, you know, to go and Michael Manns and uh, yes. they decided to step back because for them it was too much, you know. Yes. Uh, and so uh, the, the activist people, which I belong, you know, I, I <laughs> decided to impose Michael Mann as a very important director. But um, today, I think we have two uh, facts very, um, uh, very important. The first thing is that uh, finally, after 25 or 30 years of, ba of battle, you know, of fight, a lot of people are, are taking their arms, you know, on the ground and said, okay, Michael Mann, finally, it's something very interesting. At the epoch of, uh, at the era of Me Too, I have some, I'm making a lot of interviews now because of the book and so on. And uh, one question or two is, it's a very uh, masculine, masculine, you know, a very uh, man world. Well, yes. So I have to explain that in a lot of Michael Mann movies, women are playing a very important role. Yes. Madeleine Stowe in The Last of the Americans, Gongli in Miami Vice, but that's, uh, you know, this kind of reputation that Michael Mann is just for men, by men, uh, you know. Right. Uh, so, more. Uh, well, you have to fight against this cliche, you know. And the other reason is the level of the American uh, movie today uh, produced by the studio. Mm. I mean, uh, when you see the, the fall, that's my opinion, of the, um, of the American cinema produced by Fox, Warner, Paramount, and so on, if the two main authors we have in American cinema today is Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve, I have to hang myself, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I, mean, no, I mean, that for my, Michael Mann, you, you know, it's very difficult today to, uh, to find a place for him. That's the reason yes. he, he's, yeah. it's so difficult for him to make another movie, uh, apart the, the failure, financially speaking, of Black Hat, of course, yes. but uh, a kind of uh, super author, uh, sometimes hijacking the machinery of the studio for making his whole movie. That's <laughs> the case of Miami Vice, you know? Yes. It's, for me, it's a perfect hijacking. Yes. You know, he's taking 200 million of dollars. Okay, you want Miami Vice, and he's making the movie you have seen and I have seen. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was possible 15 years ago. I yes. don't think today it, it would be possible because yeah. um, Michael Mann is too authorish. You know, he's too perfectionist. He, um, he's very, you, you know, the you, are, you know the guy. You know, well, 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 Katie, Katie brought this point up to me, which I hadn't connected together. Which was at the almost exactly the same time. This was Miami Vice came out in probably a four or five year period where there were so many of those 1970s staples of American television that were being remade for films, like remade for the movies to reintroduce the characters to different audiences. And so at the time, you've got like. I think the great example Starsky of Katie's and Hudge. Starsky Stuff and Hutch. Yeah. And, and she's like, 
Can you imagine that the movie theater is like, well, Miami Vice, it's, a, it's just another Starsky and Hutch, right? That's exactly what we're expecting. And they sit down in the cinema and Michael Mann shows them this movie. And when she said that to me, I, I laugh about that. Like, I've been laughing about that for months. I'm just like, I can't get over that. They, they wanted Starsky and Hutch and they see this movie and it is... It, it Not is that, yeah. 180 the opposite direction from from Starsky and Hutch. It's it's kind of yeah, exactly as you said, brilliantly yeah. hijacking it. You're right, Blake. But uh, I remember that at that time, a lot of um, uh, Miami Vice the series fans were very angry, angry yes. against yes. the movie, and that's for me difficult to understand because I mean. Uh, for the intelligent fans, maybe some, some, sometimes it's possible to find intelligent fans uh, <laughs> of, of Miami Vice series. Because when you see closely Miami Vice TV series, uh, the, the, the five seasons, let's say the first two seasons where Michael Mann was very present before Manhunter. Uh, of course, in, um, on, the, on the surface, it's a very glamorous kind of series with uh, the colors and the costume and the Armani jackets and the, you know, of course. But when you're looking um, 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 on, uh, about on the scenario, you know, and what is talking in uh, for real Miami Vice, it's very dark, you know. It's, it's a question of corruption, it's a question of prostitution, it's a question of uh, 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 cops who don't have uh, enough money uh, to, uh, to make their family uh, live, uh, you know, in a decent way. I, I mean, um, uh, visually, it seems very nice and very colorful, like, like very MTV, you know. Mm. But um, uh, um, when you look at closely what the, the series is talking about, it's a very dark series. Oh, yeah. Close to uh, Brian De Palma's cafe, so William Friskin to live and die in LA. Uh, it was a moment where Reagan has been elected and re-elected. That's a UP moment when you see uh, John Carpenter they live. You know? yes. yeah. I, I have the impression that... Um, to uh, use a metaphor that when he's making Miami my series, you are in the first part of John Carpenter's They Live. When yes. he's making the movie, you're putting <laughs> the sunglasses and yes. the world has his release. I yes. mean, very violent, cruel, uh, with all this uh, capitalistic barbarity, you know, and so on. So I don't... I don't think that for Michael Mann, the, 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 the movie adaptation of the series was so much different as the series um, herself, itself, you know? It's speaking yes. of the same thing, you know? It's very dark. It's, showing to sh it's trying to show you the, the, the hidden process of, of the contemporary world. And of course, Miami Vice is a very dark movie. Uh, but it's, it's what all this darkness was also present and already present in the Miami Vice series. That's the reason I don't understand, you know, the, the sometimes the reaction of the fan of the series of the 80s, because it's a kind of very intelligent kind of uh, uh, continuity, you know, yes. uh, of, of the series. It's funny you just said that. So people are probably going to hear there's a great episode with a fantastic author Sean Cosby who we had on the show mm -hmm. only last week and he was a huge fan of the Miami Vice series when it was out and he said you know it was the perfect you know he grew up in Georgia it was like it was the perfect 16 year old's fantasy you know Ferraris mm -hmm. beautiful women you're driving around and he goes and he's so so sometimes I think he's it's it's the it's the denial of growing up because now yeah. that you're older <laughs> all, there are all of those as you said those little specific details fast cars Miami highways boats beautiful women great you know fitting suits not such great fitting shirts as we've since uh, <laughs> uh, examined but great fitting suits and everyone looks attractive and it's great 
but mm. underneath, like I, it's so the distance between to from that facade to the darkness is so much closer in Miami Vice 2006 than it ever was in the series. And I think that that's just indicative of the sensibilities of the time. And we always forget, like, again, talking about another influential thing, like all of the iconography that you associate with the 80s, literally from that point on, is as a result almost of Miami Vice. Like yeah. MTV in the 90s yeah. was 10 years late following You're Miami late. Vice. You know, it's it's, it's it's this weird cyclical impressions that keep going on and, and, uh, uh, you're and, right. and those things. But you, we, we don't have to forget also that in 2006, because that's what I remember from the screening, is that the aesthetic, uh, aesthetic uh, shock it was to see Miami Vice. Yes. Because it was shot by Diane Bibi with a, a HD, you know, video numerical uh, image. Yes. Um, maybe we have forget, forgotten a little bit uh, about this imp impression. But at that time, it was for me and for a lot of people, the first time uh, we, uh, we saw LA, Los Angeles, La, uh, Miami, I mean, like that. We have never seen the skies and the, the, the trees and the, the clouds, it was uh, aesthetically a real shock, very interesting for me. And, uh, because at that time, a lot of people were, a lot of directors, American directors, were reacting against, you know, the video. And they, yeah. they, they, they decided to shoot in 35 millimeters or 75 millimeters, like Paul Thomas Anderson or, or Quentin Tarantino. And we have another category of directors who decided to, um, to shoot in video but they try to make the same thing as it, as it was in 35 millimeters. <laughs> yeah. But you know that it's impossible to, to, uh, to find, uh, to have the, 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 the magic of the pellicle, <laughs> yes. of the analogic 35 millimeters when you're shooting in video. It's, impo it's not it's impossible. My, I was, it's impossible. I was talking to Donald, the great actor Donald Logue about Zodiac. And he said that he's because he, he's a writer himself, and he's been on lots of sets. And he was in he was interacting with Harry Savides, the dearly departed great cinematographer, who was the cinematographer on Zodiac. And he said he was like, Harris, what is it with this digital thing? Because this is when they were first using Vipers. And he's like, what is it? And he goes, Donald, it's such a pain in the ass to make this look like thirty five. Like it ta <laughs> it's it takes so right. much effort right. and calibration to give it the look of uh, of cinema. And, you know, again, Fincher, I think, has sort of crafted and, and continued to hone his mastery of that digital look for, for some time. But what was amazing in 2004 and then six, you know, Collateral and Miami Vice is man has no, oh, yeah, he, has, he has no connection to keeping oh, and oh, maintaining. He's like, no, I, this is a brand new tool. Oh, I'm going to use it however oh, I want. And, and we've even said on this show, Jean-Baptiste, Katie and I marvel at, there's a, a funny uh, little uh, Twitter you can follow called one perfect shot, right? And they always pull these beautiful frames, usually from things that are shot on 35 or on film. And we both have trouble with Miami Vice because the movie almost denies you having these picturesque oh, yeah. frames. It it's is impossible about, to isolate. You, yes. Yeah, you, you can't get the resolution. It's all about the movement. It's about the pace. It's Again, it's the, about the speed and the speed. constant movement of the camera. And, and I love that man embraces digital doesn't try to make it look like anything other than it is and it, it goes it because it thematically fits everything that he's doing yes. it's the embrace of technology it's modernity it's um i'm working with the plasticity of the image and and also make giving it that kind of grimy surveillance cops feel yes mm -hmm. and right, so it, it fits his his 
vision and the film's vision. Right. But it's very important that you say that because uh, Michael Mann uh, was only the, the, the only one to refuse to, to make a kind of nostalgia you know, mm. thing about the 35 millimeters. Uh, he was very, he embraced um, um, uh, right now, you know, uh, the, the, this new technology. And that's very interesting because Collateral and Miami Vice are a unique example of the, uh, um, of the cinema of the 2000s. You have a lot of uh, simulacrum, you know, of the yes. 35 millimeters shot in, in, a, in a digital. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Michael Mann was the only one to, to take this technology. And as you said, it was very important for him uh, also thematically because it, it, it was fitting to what he was looking for. You know, the, you, you, the description of the contemporary world, the, main, uh, the form, what kind of new form you are going to find to uh, describe this contemporary world. And the, the, the digital form was very important. And the other thing is his research for spirituality because for me, Michael Mann is a mystical guy, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, even is is very uh, consumer society, you know. It's very pragmatic world with all this economics, the objects and the Instagram and the social web networks and so on. He's trying to, he's, 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 um, he's wondering, but is there something more behind what we see? Uh, maybe something bigger, you know, something more uh, strange and magical. And uh, what I like very much in his movie is that he could have stayed stuck to the last shots of the last of the Mohicans. You, you yes. remember the, the three in front of the North Carolina wonderful landscape. And uh, he could have said that oh, it's terrible because these landscapes, no, it's a national park, no, it's uh, highways and uh, this kind of landscape has disappeared. So the spirituality, you know, and the American wilderness has disappeared. The intelligence of Michael Mann is to say so, okay, the wilderness, wilderness in the original landscape is not there anymore. But maybe the spirituality of the wilderness is something in the very modern, uh, our very modern world. That's the example of the coyote in Collateral. That's mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it's a poetic and extraordinary image of that. So you have to learn to see our world, our very technological world with the buildings, with the, with the plane, you know, with the cars and so on. But maybe there is a kind of spirituality in our world too, you know? That, mm -hmm. That's very interesting. It's, it's not just a very, it's not just a, a, a dark view on our world because it's a kind of depressing. Okay, everything is wrong. Everything is, is ugly. Everything is no. Michael Mann said at the same times, if you can say the, the beauty of the technological landscape, where you see when you see a black hat. For yes, example. I was thinking black hat, <laughs> all incredible. those networks and you, know, yeah. you, want, you want to be in the plane with uh, in the clouds or you have the impression that a, a kind of God is floating in the, in the, in, in the clouds, you know, yes. and that's the spirituality that um, Michael Mann is looking for in our very uh, contemporary and technological world and not only, you know, in the beautiful landscape of the Western. And uh, that's the reason he's a melancholic guy, but not a nostalgic, nostalgic guy. And yes. the difference is very important, I think. But Did he's you... also so romantic too. <laughs> like all, all of this stuff that you're saying, I'm like, oh, he's like, there, there's melancholy, but there's like deep love and romance. And as you said, spirituality. And I'm just like, oh, this guy, I this man, I, I can't this get, man. I can't get away from the line, I'm alone. No, you're what? I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm alone, but that's the end of uh, last of uh, one of the last sequence of the last of the Mohicans. You have to survive. When you see the last of the Mohicans, which is very important for me as a movie, because a lot of man's uh, aficionados don't see Last of the Mohicans as a very important movie for, for them. It was. This guy for, does. For, for, and for ah, us. Okay. And for us. So I can talk to you, Blake. You can yes. talk to us. Incredibly important. Incredibly but, important. But it's very interesting when you're comparing, for example, Last of the Mohicans with um, with uh, Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, because yes. I think Barry, uh, Stanley Kubrick has been a huge uh, as a place in the mind of Michael Mann in terms of ambition, in terms of professionalism, in terms of uh, uh, how you you, you 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 keep your own control in the uh, Hollywoodian um, machinery. And when you compare Barry Lyndon and, and Last of the Mohicans, you can see that the main character of the Last of the Mohicans is Madeleine Stowe because she's the one who's making this um, very manian trajectory from you know a kind of very um, um, rigid uh, society with all the code and the tradition and at the beginning she's almost like a, a puppet you know in yes. the field and uh, she's learning how to uh, debloke you know her own effects and uh, and the man is using the the motive of the water in the last of the Mohicans to show how how this this woman is going to find herself and the construct is uh, her own independency you know the kind yes. of pre ali uh, you know um, uh, character and at the end when she's uh, uh, in front of this cascade with daniel de lewis you know that uh, she 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 has she has um, one uh, she has is uh, her own independency you know and uh, and the man is making a lot of relation because uh, your liberty and the affect for example in public and me all the authoritarian guys the fbi eg edgar Hoover, are just machine guy and uh, even frank nitty is called you know yes he's a, <laughs> he's a very weak guy in terms of physio physiological way and the, the real manian guy is always a guy of of um, affect, you know, yes. a very uh, strong affect. That's the reason he's a romantic guy, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the romanticism, even the end of Miami Vice, is a very romantic, tragic, but yes. romantic uh, kind of um, end, in fact. Well, that seems like the perfect and romantic end to this conversation. <laughs> Jean-Baptiste Leray, I cannot tell you how much of an honor it is for Katie and I to talk to you on the show. Um, as true you, man heads, you're just, you're one of the greats. I cannot wait to get my hands on the English translation. Cause I like Michael Mann can't read French and I'm dying to read your book. I'm, I'm dying, dying to read I'm it. I'm dying too. to read it. So please, we, we'll stay in touch offline. And when there is the English translation that comes out, we'll just stay in touch. Absolutely. And I would love, I would love, even if you want to come back and talk to us again about anything, um, we would love that. But look, thank you so much. I just, again, truly honored to have you as part of the show and I feel like the show is better pleasure. for it. Thank you so much. And your piece on Miami Vice is one of the best pieces of criticism I've ever read and, and we'll link to it. And, and I hope everybody reads it because it really unlocked so many things for me. And it was just a pleasure listening to you talk about no, no. man. You're, you're such a, um, yeah. uh, I was, it, I just wanted to sit back and listen and, and no, it all in. So can't wait to get your book and thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katia and Beck. It was a real pleasure. Again, my accent is a French accent. So I, I'm really I love sorry it. It made it even better. This, we we <laughs> love it. Look, no. Miami Vice has Eddie Marzan doing a New Orleans <laughs> accent. So, we, you know, if this show has your beautiful French accent on there, we're happy with that, Jean-Baptiste. Thank you anyway, so much. 
time is luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.